0: Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Hallelujah. We've been kind of digging into, we kind of started there in Psalms 23 where the Bible states... Here you go, Doc. Thank you, sir. Where the Bible states, David's, uh, the shepherd's psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. Everybody say, restoreth my soul. So we've been talking about our soul getting back into its right place. Or God restoring our soul, which has led us into some more teaching on what we call matters of the heart. Or talking about the heart. Now, just a little bit of review. Most of you that come, you know this. But we've determined by the Word of God that we are threefold in our makeup we are a spirit if i say i'm a spirit we possess a soul which is our mind emotions and will and we live in a body right. but then we have something that's developed called our hearts and we've seen according to scripture according to experience according to things we've we've uh, uh, studied and read that the heart can be developed in one of two places or in both places Your heart can develop in between your spirit and your soul, or your heart can be developed in between your soul and your flesh. Now, the illustration we use for the heart being developed between the soul and the flesh is a lot of what we see in athletics, where an individual will have a heart for a certain sport. Uh, they, They may have more people around them that have more talent, but they don't have the heart. You see, it in, you see it in boxing, you see it in basketball, you see it in football and baseball. Just about every sport that there is, there just seems to be someone that always seems to rise to the top that seems to have a heart. Now, when I was doing the, the, the Matters of the Heart series, when I did it two years ago, I saw a uh, thing on, on the marathon runners and I, how they talked about these marathon runners, how they would tra- uh, train and, and they, would, they would run these marathons and in running a marathon, they would hit what was called the wall. And literally, when you hit the wall, physiologically, your body shuts down. I mean, you, your, your breathing begins to quicken. Your muscles begin to cramp up. But if you have developed a heart for that race, they say there's literally an impartation of adrenaline that will take place that will help you cross the finish line. Those that don't have the heart to run that race, they never make it. But those that have the heart to do it, they make it. Now... We're talking about that development that takes place over here in between the spirit and the soul. Now, don't get me wrong. I adhere to the word 90% of the time. Well, 90%, maybe 75 to 90% of the time. When you see the word heart in the Bible, it is interchangeable with the spirit and with the soul. Sometimes it talks about the spirit of man. Sometimes it talks about the soul of man. Then there are times when it talks about the heart standing alone or standing by itself being something that is developed. Now, you can, if you want to study that out for yourself, go to Hebrews chapter 4. It talks about the Word of God being quick, Being alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, divides asunder that which is of the flesh, which is of uh, of of the soul, which is of the spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, we've also discovered, according to Romans chapter 10, that your heart is a part of your belief system. Belief system is very simple. Thank God it is. All the other systems of your body and of your mind, they're very complicated. Your cardiovascular system, your nervous system, your digestive system, they're very complicated. But your belief system is very simple. It's made up of two components. It's made up of the heart and the mouth. For with the heart man believeth, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So what we're studying tonight is developing a heart for God And in so doing that, we want you to understand that your spirit man over on this side wants to develop your heart. But many times, what our heart is developed by is our soul. Amen? Now, if you will, how can I start this? Go to to Romans, go to Romans chapter 8. That'd be the best place. Romans chapter 8. Let me show you something in Romans. Let me grab my notes here real quick so I won't get ahead of myself. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 14. Romans 8 verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, everybody say the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, everybody say the sons of God. It says, For we have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but we have received the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, God. Now notice this. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, the most important revelation you can have from the spirit realm is in the new birth, when you were born again, you became a son of God. All of us, men, women, boys, girls, doesn't matter. We all are sons of God. Now, your, 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 your spirit man does not believe that. That's why a lot of people get confused. Oh, yeah, it does. I believe. No, 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 no. Your spirit man does not believe that. Your spirit man knows that. Remember our little exercise we do about the difference between knowing and believing. Anybody remember that? How many believe I'm here? You believe I'm here? You're wrong. You don't believe I'm here. You know I'm here. You say, how do I know you're here? You can see me. You can hear me. Amen. Your senses are touching the natural realm and you know I'm here. Now, you know you're a son of God. Because the Word of God takes the place of sense knowledge. And faith empowers you to what? To know you're born again. Amen. See, you don't believe you're born again, you know you're born again. Right. And the reason you know you're born again is because you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. Let me give you a little illustration. How many know you're going to heaven? Amen. Now, isn't that, that shows you right there. You say, then what is the purpose of the belief system? To be the conduit from your spirit into your heart. Excuse me, from your spirit, yeah, spirit into your heart. To be that which causes the information of God, the revelation of God, to flow where? Into your belief system. So you can believe, then know. Now, let me give you an illustration. I've got a couple of them for you. When, when I went to Bible school at Lakewood, I, I, I love that church, I love my pastor, and the Lord spoke to me into my spirit. And he said, now you leave this, this church, this, this up here in Houston, and you go to this little church that meets in a funeral home down in Lamarck. Now he said that, God said that into my spirit. Amen. Mm-hmm. Now, I resisted that for a few weeks, was miserable in prayer, knew I was disobeying God. And I went and obeyed God and left Lakewood and went down and and, and started with uh, Pastors Walter and Cindy Hallam at Abundant Life Christian Center when it was a little bitty church in a funeral home. Now, it took me probably over a year for me to get my heart right, or to get my heart into that. Even though the information was there in the Spirit, it took some development. Did you get that? Let me give you another illustration. When I began to pray in 1995 and 96 and 97 and God began to lay into my spirit an assignment. You come off the evangelistic field, quit traveling, go down to Galveston, start Island Church. That was deposited in my spirit. But it wasn't until 2002, 2003, 2004 that I had the heart to do it. So a lot of times God instructs us and tells us to do things. And we get the information deposited into our spirit. And our spirit bears witness with that which God has said. But then it may take some time to transition over into it. To where you have the heart for it. Amen. Now. Let me get over here. Now. All these good things. The heart of worship. Restoring our heart. Healing the brokenhearted. hearted. Oh, we're going to get back into all of that. Developing a heart for God. Number one. You have to locate where is your heart when it comes to the things of God. Because you can determine whether or not your heart has an active response toward God or a passive response. Now, here's the problem a lot of believers have. And that is that in a crisis situation, man, we got a heart for God. You're looking at me like you're so holy. Now, come on. I mean, you let the doctor say, the banker say, the lawyer say, or whoever the they sayers are, and you get yourself in a crisis of life. And it's amazing how spiritual you can become. I mean, you start coming to church, you start giving money, you start reading your Bible. It's amazing. But the reality of that is, it's usually the proof that your heart's really not where it should be. Amen. So in order to develop a heart for God you've got to begin to look at the things from the soul that tries to encroach upon your heart and keep your heart from being spiritual because I guarantee you everything that God says in his word your spirit man will say amen so be it it's mine. But with the heart, you're going to have to believe it so that it can be applied to your life. And if your heart is a force of resistance against that which belongs to you in the spirit realm, you're going to find it hard to believe. Amen? Now, number one, what you expose yourself to will develop. Exposure. Your heart it meant, now, I can't use this illustration anymore because we've done gone beyond it, I guess. <laughs> you know, we take pictures with our phones now. But years ago, back in the olden days, how about that? <laughs> Remember when you took pictures, then you had to take the film down to the drugstore and you had to get it developed. That might date some of us, but that's the way it used to be. Amen? Well, that film was very unique in that it was in a closed environment. It was in darkness. And what helped the film to be exposed or to take the picture was we let the light in. And when we let the light in, an impression was made. Amen? Now the same thing is true of the Word of God. God wants you to let the light in through the lens of your spirit to be exposed to the film of your heart. You say why? So that something will develop. God wants something to develop in you. Your soul wants to do this, the same thing. Your soul wants to be the lens on the other side. So we said of our soul, it is our what? It is our emotions. It is our intellect or the way we think and it's the choices we make. Now, if our emotions are affecting our heart, this is, this is what will happen. Our emotions has its roots in the Adamic nature. You say, what do you mean by that? When you got saved, your emotions didn't get saved. You say, now what are our our emotions? It's how you feel. Everybody say, how I feel. feel. Now, many times we judge the presence of God, the power of God, by what? By feelings. We can't do that. We walk by faith, not by sight. But if you allow your heart to begin uh, to be developed by feelings, then I guarantee you're going to be quickly deceived. Because your adversary, the devil, knows how to supply you with a feeling. So you've got to be very careful. Your emotions has its root in the Adamic nature. Fear, anger, rejection, loneliness, etc. All of these are conditional realities developed in us from the time we're born. So our soul is loaded with all kinds of feelings. Amen? Some of them good, some of them bad, some of them super good, some of them super bad. But they are not designed to train your believing heart with. I've been around people. I, I've, I've been around this long enough to, to people, you know, if they have some kind of a, of a feeling, some kind of emotion, they think God is here. God is here. And, other, and, and, and in reality, it doesn't matter what you feel. The Bible says He's with us all the time. Never leave us or forsake us. We were, we were in, what town was that? A town that smelled so bad. Greeley, Colorado. They know it. They they brag about it. They they said it smells like money. They got a slaughterhouse on the north side, a slaughterhouse on the south side. So no matter which way the wind blows, it stinks. So we were there preaching a revival. We were in a revival meeting there. And and, uh, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge about a man with a bad knee. man come limping up there. I reach out to touch him. And he just went crazy. He started gyrating. He started making all this noise. And, and, just, and so, and so I, said, I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I just kind of stopped him. I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, you know what? Just, just hold on, fellow. Let's, let's, let's get our composure. Let's receive from God. So I reached out. He, he was standing right next to you. I reached out again uh, to, 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 to do it, and off he goes again, you know. And when that happened this time, I noticed kind of a buzz went through the crowd. Like everybody was like, ooh, you know. And so, you know, that happened about three times. The last time, I'll never forget doing this. I grabbed him by his coat. He had a coat in time. I grabbed him by his coat, and I held him up close to my face, and I said, stop that. <laughs> he looked at me. You could tell the church kind of went, ooh. There's about, what, four or 500 people that kind of went, ooh. <laughs> I said, just receive from God. So I laid hands on him. And he fell out under the power of god well that that evening we went to the pastor's home for some fellowship and the pastor came to me he had just taken this church over he'd been there four or five years he just taken this church over from the man who pioneered the church and the church was about 60 or 70 years old it was a a church that had been there established a long time full gospel a, a, a pentecostal church and he asked me this question He said, now, why did you tell that man not to do that? I said, well, because it wasn't God. He said, now, what do you mean by that, that it wasn't God? I said, well, when he came up there, I'm trying to minister to him by the Spirit. I taught the Word. The anointing for him to be healed was there. God blessed us with a word of knowledge, which inspires the faith of an individual to receive. I said, it was time for him to receive from God, not to do some hillbilly dance and holler crazy. I said, why did he say something? I asked him, he said, yeah. He said, the first thing I did as soon as the meeting was over, I met this man in the foyer and I asked him, I said, what did you think about what that man did? He said, I don't know, but my knee is healed. (laughs) Then the pastor said to me, he said, I'm so glad you did that. I said, why? Why? He said, because this whole church thinks that every time that man gets up and does that gyration like that and makes that funny noise, that that's, that's evidence God's here and God's fixing to do something. He said, I knew from the time I took the church over that wasn't God. He said, but everybody was used to it, so I was afraid to say anything. Well, all it was was an illustration that many times people, when the presence of God truly shows up, which is coming from where? It's coming from the realm of the Spirit. You're healing your breakthrough, your deliverance, something from God trying to get into your body, whatever, and you stop it in your heart with an emotional response. I've seen it happen over and over again. The anointing just cuts off just like that. That's why many times we tell people, take a breath, compose yourself. Receive from God. Why? Because with the heart, man receiveth. And if we've got a big old emotional lump in the way, it's going to shut it down. So we want people to do what? To receive from God. Man, we've led hundreds, maybe even thousands of people to the Lord over the years. I've seen people that have had the most emotional response to praying the sinner's prayer and never saw them again. And then I've had other people that you even think, did they even mean what they said? And next thing you know, they're one of the finest Christians you've ever seen. So emotion is no sign that you've received anything from God. And if you allow your emotion to train your heart you're going you're to end up not receiving many times because your emotions are going to get in your way. Now listen, it's not wrong to have emotions. The Spirit of God can touch you and you can weep or you can laugh. But the thing is, you can't let the emotional side of your soul train your heart. Or you'll look for something to feel before you'll ever believe. And that's not faith. Because feeling is a sense. Amen? Then there is the intellect, the carnal mind. And we've seen several times in our studies of renewing of the mind and our studies of redemption, our studies of faith, that the carnal mind is at enmity with God. So if you begin to allow your mind to feed your heart, then if you can't figure it out, you're not going to accept it. Well, i tell you something. I've been doing this for a little while and I, a whole lot I ain't figured out yet. But that doesn't stop me from receiving. We've said it over and over. By faith... We understand. Not by faith we get an explanation. By faith we what? We understand. Understanding is that which will rule the spiritual heart. The spiritual heart doesn't need an explanation. The spiritual heart doesn't need to know, you know, one plus one is two. The spiritual heart, all it needs is the understanding that is provided by the Spirit that comes through the Word of God. That's all the spiritual heart needs. It says, I believe it. Well, how's it going to work? I don't care how it works. Well, when is it going to happen? I don't care when it happens. You don't, none of that registers unless your heart is being trained by your intellect. And I'm going to tell you something about your mind. Your mind will talk you out of the blessings of God. Financially, physically. I mean, you come have hands laid on you. I've seen it happen over and over and over. People out here at the altar, the anointing will be strong. All their symptoms will leave. The pain will get, be gone. Next thing you know, they get up the next one, the pain's still there. And the first thought of their mind is this. Well, you didn't get healed in the first place. Well, yes, you did. Your pain left. I always use the illustration of the young lady that was healed in Buffalo, Texas, of a cerebral palsy that, that, that got up and walked around her host town for six weeks with no gear on or anything like that. And her parents and her pastor were telling her this. That man tricked your mind. That man tricked your mind. That man, They talked her out of a miracle. Which might be in talking with the pastor—not it wasn't her, uh, the pastor who we were holding the service in—but in talking with the pastor who we were holding the service for, Brother Lloyd Lane, he's been here before. I said to him, "I said they should have had enough sense to recognize if I tricked her mind into thinking she was healed of a uh, uh, cerebral palsy, she might have go, you know—been better off just going ahead and let her mind be tricked." <laughs> but her mind talked her right out of it. And the same church, we had a man that horribly crippled, that was crippled in an accident, that was healed. And I saw him, what was it, two years ago. He met us in the forest. He'd been healed for 15, 20 years. that He had been healed. So the intellect. Everybody say the intellect. Yes. The carnal mind is in enmity with God. We stimulate the mind. We educate the mind. We figure in our mind. We want explanation. And when the mind feeds the heart... Now listen to this. And you, everyone here has experienced this. When your mind feeds your heart, it creates more questions than it does answers. And for every answer the Spirit tries to provide to the heart comes a whole bunch more questions. Amen? Now, we could ask questions. We've, we've flown all over the world for many years. I always use this illustration because it's the one that I can relate to. I cannot fly an airplane. But by understanding, I can fly in one. Did you get that? I cannot fly an airplane. If he said, well, Pastor, you can go anywhere in the world. I'm going to give you this brand new Gulfstream 5, 6. I think I'm making a 6 now. Here it is. It's yours on one condition. You have to fly it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put a for sale sign on it. (laughs) Because I have a very limited understanding of aeronautical transportation... That begins with a ticket issued to me, a gate to go to, a particular brand of airline to fly on, and a seat number with my name on it. Other than that, I don't know what in the world we're doing. Come on. But I have faith in the guy in the cockpit. I have faith in the airplane. I have faith... That they know how to start the thing, get it down the runway, get it up in the air, find where we're going, land it, and get me to my destination. It's, it's happened like that all my life. Everywhere we've gone. Where did we go last time? Where I went I went to Africa back in December. Went to Tulsa in January. We're going to Ireland in a couple of weeks. Listen, every time they get there, how do they get there? I don't know. <laughs> and unless you're a pilot, you don't know either. And if you would allow your mind, intellectual, come on, you know, I've got my ticket. I I know I'm supposed to go to Hobby Airport and fly on Delta Airlines. I'm supposed to be in seat 5B. But listen, if you don't explain to me about how we're going to get where we're going, how we're going to find out that I ain't going, you'll probably be sitting at the dock. Because it takes a long time to get all that kind of education. The Bible says, by faith we understand... That the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So that the things that appear, we know were not made of things that do appear. Explain that. Basically that says everything that's in the natural realm came from a realm that you can't see. You can't explain that, but you can enjoy the benefit of it. That's the problem with the intellectual mind. It always wants things to add up when things don't add up in the spirit realm, God does not do the same kind of math we do. Amen? Thank God He doesn't. Remember this about the human mind. It's natural. Remember this about God. He's supernatural. Remember this about your heart. Your heart has a supernatural element to it that will just absorb like a sponge the spiritual things of the Word and the Spirit of God in order to strengthen it to believe God for what God wants you to have and for what God wants you to do. That's right. Hallelujah. That helped me a lot. That's right. That's good. Intellect. I say Intellect. Now, here's the third one that's part of our soulish makeup, and that is our will. Now, when our will trains our heart, (laughs) we're in trouble. Because we always want to do things or have things, how? Our way. And if you have a heart developed by that part of your soul, it is going to be hard for you to bow your knee to God's will. You'll see it in the Word and think, yeah, but that's that's not the way i do it. Amen? We've said this for years. One of my favorite sayings. The greatest deliverance of your life is not being delivered, not being delivered from drugs, not being delivered from alcohol, not being delivered from some kind of immoral lifestyle. It's from you being delivered from being God. You get off the throne of God. Amen. And you allow God to sit in His rightful place and you recognize there is a fight in your life between two wills. The will of God and your own personal will. And if you will allow the will of God to begin to feed your heart and strengthen your heart, then your personal will will weaken. That's a lot of people. There's a lot of strong willed people out there. I mean, they're just strong willed. They got strong willpower. And man, in their heart, they can believe they can do anything. I can do anything. I can do anything. Well, I can't. I can only do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can only do things by His grace, by His anointing. You know, we traveled for so many years, many, many months, I would. I'd be, in, I'd be in Ireland two, two and a half, three weeks. I'd come home. I'd do a couple of revivals uh, uh, Sunday through Wednesday, two services a day. I would go back to our church and teach, catch up all my Bible school classes. Sometimes I would teach all night on Thursday and all day on Friday and then be at the airport again on Saturday and do it week after week, week after week, week after week, month after month, month after month, year after year. And when God began to deal with me, about coming to Galveston and starting Island Church, I begin to get weak. I begin to get weary. I begin to think, something's wrong with me. I, went to, I actually went to a doctor up at UTMB. He checked me out and said, ain't nothing wrong with you. I knew that the grace of God was lifting off of me for travel. I knew it. I knew it. You say, where did you know it? Where do you know things? Where do you know things? In your spirit. In your heart you believe. I knew it in my spirit. But because of my human will, which had not bowed to what I knew in my spirit, my heart had not caught up with it. So I'm traveling and I'm hating the hotel rooms and I'm and I'm miserable on the airplanes and I'm I'm like, you know, well, what was the problem? My will was still feeding my heart till finally I got to the place where I prayed, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. We'll remembers that day very well. We both prayed. We got out and he said, okay, Lord, whatever you want us to do, wherever you want us to do it, that's what we will do. And when I did, it was like a big relief. (sighs) Strength came. We started shutting down our field ministry and we started gearing up to start Island Church. We started the process. And what happened? Grace came on us to do this. See, that's how grace works. That would be another another teaching when we teach on grace in, in, in connection to this. But I couldn't. I I did not know. And that's the problem that we have, is especially when we allow our will to feed our heart, and we're very strong-willed, is we can figure things out. See, our mind works with that. Our feeling, we feel like we should do it. We got it figured out. Come on. We feel good about it. And God's over here saying, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And you just kind of know. Listen, I'll give you a good illustration. We was raised in church and raised in the things of God. I got away from God. And I was called to preach when I was age 17. I didn't, I didn't know anything about being called to preach when I was 10 or 12. Some people talk about knowing. I didn't know. But when I was 17 years old, backslid, away from God. Mom Goodwin laid her hands on me and gave a prophecy out. It was a word of wisdom. And that word of wisdom was encapsulated a call to preach in my life. It dropped down into my human spirit. It was in my human spirit. And no matter where I went, no matter how high I got, no matter how crazy, it did not matter. I still knew I was called to preach. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I did, not, I did not develop it. I did not do anything about it. I continued to let my soul feed my heart. I continued to let my, my, my mind feed my heart. And I continued to be very strong-willed against that which God had said to me when I was 17 years old. And it was 10 years later, 10 years when I was 27, March the 7th, 1984, I was 27 years old. 10 years later, when I bowed my knee to the Lord, and I got up, and I'd been delivered from all of that, and I knew I was right with God, I still did not want to preach. I still knew I was called to preach, but I still did not want to preach. It was not in my heart. So what did God do? He began to invade my heart. He began to send people. He began to send words. He began to send experiences. And the first thing it did was not in my mind or in my emotions. It was in my will. Till I got to the point where I said... Not my will, but thine be done. When I did, it became easier to control my mind and it became easier to control what I felt because I had submitted to the will of God. Amen? Now, if we had time, my time's almost up. If we had time, I could show you how this works with healing, how this works with prosperity. You say, why? Because, see... It's deposited, the revelation of all these things that are ours in Christ is deposited in that word right there. So we study them, we look at them, we meditate them, and we know they're ours. Healing's mine. Prosperity's mine. Deliverance is mine. Joy is mine. Peace is mine. And we know it. But with the heart, we must believe. Are you with me? Therefore, what fights us is what? What? Well, our mind is trying to figure it out. Our our, our emotions, our feelings, especially when it comes to, healing. I don't feel like I'm healed. I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, 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 I don't think. How is the money going to come when it comes to prosperity? So we use all of our effort to do what? We use all of our effort to empower our soul, which is our enemy. Yeah. When what we need to do is turn back around and begin to empower our spirit to continue to dump that knowledge into our heart so our heart can grow strong. And so when your your emotions come up with a feeling that's contrary to what the truth says, it doesn't sway you. When your thoughts come up with an idea or a way of doing things that's contrary to what the word says, it doesn't sway you. Or when your own decisions rise up, and you want to do it your way, you say, no, nah, I ain't going to do it my way. I'm going to do it God's way. That's hard. Amen. That's hard. There's been so many times in life in ministry that I've thought, I can do it like this. I can do it like that. I can do it like this. I can do it like that. And I found out many times, you can't do it like that. And thank God there's mercy when we make mistakes. But over the years, I've gotten less and less, less and less willing to allow my own willpower to influence what God is saying to my spirit. If God says it, then He's just going to do it. And you can't figure it out. And you can't, you can't will it. I've seen people try to do that, just will it. You have to believe it. And believing, let me just, mm, how's my time? The Bible says of Abraham in Romans chapter 4 that he was fully persuaded That what God had promised, he was also able to perform. You ever read that? Now Abraham was not born again, so he does not have the advantage of this connection or access that we have. Amen? Come on. He's not born again. His spirit is unregenerate. He does not have that divine connection that we have to God. And I believe that God, and I can prove it by the word, that God gave him visions... God gave him dreams. God spoke to him that he had feelings, that God used everything he could use in the soulish realm to get Abraham over here into this place in his life where his heart would believe. He did everything he could do. And finally the Bible says he was what? Fully persuaded that what God had promised. Now there's his only connection to God is the promise. That's it. That's his only connection, is the promise. You've got a better connection than Abraham has. You not only have the promise of the Word of God, you've got His Spirit in you. It abides, it resides, it has a place of habitation in you and your spirit bears witness with His spirit that you are healed, that you are the child of God, that you are prosperous, that you are delivered, that you are saved, that you are what the Word says you are. You've got an advantage over Abraham. But his faith was so strong without that advantage that he and Sarah conceived to bore a child at a time in their life in which it was impossible to do it. And God gave them a miracle and Isaac was born. Well, if it worked for them that well, how much more should it work for us? But what have we said? We live in a dangerous time. Look at the amount of information flowing in the earth today as compared to revelation knowledge flowing in the earth you got the internet, you've got television, you've got all this information bombarding your mind, bombarding your mind. What's it trying to do? It's trying to condition you. Now listen, mm. it's trying to condition you for the purpose of controlling you. And you know, a lot of times we put all this stuff up, man, it's the devil trying to do it. Well, I agree, he's the God of this world. But the God of this world uses what? The world. That's why it's not good to be Worldly. He uses the world and everything that is in this world to try to do what? To try to control. He don't care about people that aren't saved. He's already got them through sin. Sin's already got them. He's already controlling them through... Now, I'm not talking about individual acts of sin. I'm talking about the sin nature, iniquity. He's already got them. He's already controlling them through the sin nature. But what He wants to do is He wants to so stimulate the mind, the emotions, and the will of the believer. That's why you have to be so careful with your heart. What's it say? Proverbs 3. Attend to my word and climb thine ear into my saying. Let it not depart from my eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart for it's life. To those that find them, health all their flesh. And guard your heart with all diligence. One translation says... Above everything else you guard, guard your heart. I mean, we guard our bank accounts. We got, got what's those people that guard the, we got LifeLock that guards all the uh, uh, accounts we have so you can't steal none of our money. Amen. And we got all this stuff guard. But most people, they have no guard on their heart whatsoever, no guard at all. So any feeling, any thought, any, any will, anything comes in there and their heart just lines up with it. And they think, why am I such a mess? you got a heart problem. <laughs> You got a heart. For, you may need some bypass surgery. Amen. Where the Word of God and the Holy Ghost bypasses your brain and your feelings and your emotion and your will and goes and hooks right into your spirit and begins to download the revelation of God's Word and God's power and God's Spirit into your heart, so that you can have a healthy heart, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, receive from God on all the area, in all the areas that God wants you to receive, and you can be healed. Now. There's so much more to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. That he had come to what? To heal the brokenhearted. And what are brokenhearted people? How does a brokenhearted heart manifest itself? By people who have tried to believe everything. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And everything they've ever tried to believe, they've been disappointed by. And their heart is broken. But the good news is, You can change your heart, you can change, we'll study this next Wednesday. You can, well, E gonna be here, but whenever I get back, you can change your words, change your heart, and change your life. If you're willing to have your broken heart healed, God can do it if you're willing to let Him do it. Amen? Did you learn something tonight? How many gonna let your spirit and God and the Word and the Holy Ghost begin to feed and develop your heart and put a guard on your heart? And watch yourself when your emotions, amen, and your intellect and your willpower is trying to develop something. Just say, nope, nope. I'm going to have a heart for God. I'm going to have a heart for faith. I'm going to have a heart for the things of God. And if you'll do that, you watch the blessing of God that will come to your life. Because your faith will work so automatically, it will not be an effort. It will be as natural to you as breathing. Faith will not be an effort. It will be a lifestyle for you. That means anything that you need from God. You just believe you receive and you have it. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and thank God. Father, thank you for your word, for revelation, knowledge, for that which you're doing in us, for us, and through us. Lord, and I pray over everyone that's here tonight, if there'd be anyone with a broken heart, that the process of healing and restoring that heart would begin tonight. No matter what the event, situation, circumstance, drama, or problem, I thank you that all that is negative, that tries to get into the believing heart of man, can be purged out by the pure water of the Word of God so that the anointing of God can work, so the heart can be healed, so the things of God can be real again in their lives. I thank you for it, Father. Lord, as we leave tonight, as always, We thank you for protection, safety, and blessing. We declare no evil befalls us, no plague comes to our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Therefore, as we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation, we declare safety and protection. The righteous labor of our hands, Lord, we thank you. No matter where we work, no matter what we do, that your protection and safety is upon us. No matter what the evil plans of wicked men may be or Satan himself, we abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you for the door of utterance and of boldness to be ministers of reconciliation, restoration, and encouragement. Laying hands on the sick, casting out devils. Freely we have received, freely we give. Lord, we leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you. Walking in love toward one another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed only by the hope. God. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.